Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points NBA Show. I am your techno-capitalist overlord, Rudy St. Clair. Happy Monday as uh, we get back into our regularly scheduled programming. As I transition computers, please enjoy the last episode produced from this particular machine. Thank you, machine. Today we are going over two great games, one of which happened in the NBA, and of course, it is a Memphis game, and one of which happened in the NCAA March Madness tourney, and yes, this is the one and only week where I am allowed to talk college hoops, even though I'm not really a fan. And of course, we have something I wanted to share with you guys in the unnamed segment. It is a uh, relatively brief and comical uh, little little segment, so I hope you enjoy that. And then finally, we get into seven seconds or less, where at the end of every show, I give you seven headlines and reactions, plus a hot take in under 48 seconds, giving you the news that you need and nothing that you don't. So, let's go ahead and jump right into this uh, whole Memphis situation that this team has put itself in, because I was feeling very hopeful. Uh, for a couple weeks, we won six of our last nine at one point, including an incredible overtime victory over James Harden and the Houston Rockets, where he scored 57 on us for the second time this season, shooting 18 of 39 from the floor, that's 46%, and 9 of 17 from three, that's 53% almost. But it was not James Harden who was the hero of this game, oh no, because if you didn't pick up on it, I said that Memphis actually won this game against Houston, who is undeniably a much better team, but we pulled it out because Jonas Valanciunas was an absolute hero. He scored 33-15, and 15, plus the game-winning free throw that was uh, following up a missed Mike Conley floater, and Jonas was fouled on the putback attempt. I am more disappointed than I am excited to win a close game, honestly. Uh, mostly because following this sort of victory, which, uh, again, put us at six of our last nine, really helped our momentum towards being exactly the ninth worst team in the league instead of any better or any worse. Uh, if you don't understand why that situation is the way that it is, I've explained it many times before in this podcast, but I'll give you the quick rundown. Basically, this draft class is weak. We would like to convey our pick to Boston to pay off that debt in a weak draft class. And the best way to do that, because it's a top eight protected pick, is to come in ninth to last. Uh, and with the new draft lottery odds, we actually have a very good chance of getting a top four pick at the ninth slot. But if we don't get a top four pick, then we're essentially guaranteed the ninth pick. And in that scenario, it would then convey to Boston. So it puts us in two winning situations. We either get rid of a pick while it's a bad draft class and lower quality within the lottery, or we get a top four pick, which is, as Jaron Jackson proves, very useful. But alas, regardless of that situation, it means nothing if we can't win winnable games. And that is what we failed to do following that exhausting overtime victory over Houston, is that we dropped games to both... Orlando, and Minnesota. Before that, we also lost a game to the Hawks, but Trey Young is on fire right now, uh, so that's a little bit more understandable. Uh, but we lost the Magic after just beating them a couple weeks ago, and 
even before then, uh, we're losing to teams like the Bulls, the Cavaliers. Uh, the Clippers are an exceptional team, so I won't hold us against that. But we lost the Bulls twice. I mean, are you serious? Memphis, we need to win. Those are winnable games. So if you really want to convey this pick, I understand that the players and coaches don't really care about that type of thing nearly as much as management and ownership. But win. Please just win games. <laughs> I know it's not easy. It's a lot easier said than done. But, man, it, it hurts to have such a significant victory with such a cool moment with uh, Jonas Valanciunas exploding and winning us the game. Uh, but then just lose to Orlando for the second time in a couple weeks. And then Minnesota. You know, we don't have very many games left. I'll tell you every single game that Memphis has left. We have a two-game home stint starting tonight against a couple tough teams in the Thunder and then the Warriors the day after tomorrow. And then following that, we have a four-game road trip where we go to Phoenix and then the Clippers, Portland, and Dallas. That's over the span of almost a week. Then we come back home uh, to face Dallas again. And after that, it's just two games left, one in Detroit and one where we're hosting the Warriors to close the season. Now, if you're keeping score at home, I see one easy-ish win in that whole list. Uh, I hope that we can beat Dallas twice. That would help us out a lot, especially with where Dallas sits in the standings, uh, kind of competing in the range of that ninth slot, even though they don't have any particular interest in getting the ninth slot. It's really just a Memphis thing, but there are a couple teams ahead of us, as I said, and Dallas is one of them. So it'd be nice if we could take them down. If we could sneak one against the Clippers, that would be fine and dandy. And I would love to beat Portland just to say what's up to Noah Patterson over at 503 Blazers fans. Uh, and then, you know, I don't think we're going to beat the Warriors. And then the Pistons are the most unpredictable team in basketball, so I'll just count that as a loss. So I'm seeing a maximum of five more wins. And if that's enough to get the ninth seed, then great. Or not the ninth seed, but the ninth spot in the lottery, then great. But if, it, if it's not, then that's no good, and it makes me nervous, and I don't like it. So with that being said, I'm ready to stop being nervous and ready to talk about this NCAA game. March Madness, is it good or not? What's up with that? Nah, I, I kid. I watched Duke versus UCF as well as some other college basketball games, but I've honestly already completely forgotten about all but watching John Morant get his ass handed to him by Florida State. Uh, they apparently just let Ja do whatever he wanted to and uh, isolated the rest of the team out of the offense. So, uh worked out for Florida State. They got the dub, advanced in the tourney. Uh, top prospect, Ja Morant. I hope his name's Ja and not Jay or something else. Because I've been saying Ja the whole time like his name's Jaleel Okafer. Remember Ja? Remember that can't miss potentially number one overall pick who slipped to number three? You know that guy? So yeah, Ja Morant got eliminated. But UCF versus Duke. Taco Fall versus Zion Williamson. Incredibly entertaining. The last second victory on an and one on top of Taco's head by Zion. Not a dunk, though. So if you placed a wager on if Zion was going to dunk on Taco, uh, if you bet for it, then I'm sorry. But if you bet against it, then good for you. 
good for you. You might have made a little bit of money. Because it never happened. Uh, Zion did not dunk all over Taco, but he won the game with an and one over him, which got Taco to foul out, which allowed RJ Barrett to recover the offensive rebound after Zion missed the go-ahead free throw, or excuse me, the game-tying free throw, and then R.J. Barrett came down with the rebound and got the go-ahead put-back tip-in. Oh man, was in an exhilarating game. UCF, very defeated. It was incredibly competitive the whole time. There was never any massive comeback effort. Uh, I believe, maybe at one point, I might be confusing this with another game, so... If I am, then hit me up on Twitter, at NBA underscore Rudy, and let me know if I'm wrong about this. But I believe UCF trailed by 14 for one very brief period of time, and then they narrowed it to 8. Uh, but ultimately, it felt like a very competitive game the entire time. I'm pretty sure I'm confusing that with another game. Honestly, all the college basketball just blends into me, unless it's Zion or some other incredible athlete, physical specimen like Taco Fall out there. That's why I remember this game more than anything else. It's because this is the physical specimens on the floor are so much more talented than everyone else on a college basketball court. I mean, Zion is a man amongst boys. The man weighs 300 pounds and jumps 45 inches in the air, and that is little to no exaggeration. Taco Fall is literally 7.5 feet tall with, I think, an 8-foot, 4-inch wingspan. I've seen many different claims about Taco's wingspan. But that is something to gawk out for sure. But ultimately, it was not the physical presence of monolithically large athletes that make the March Madness period of NCAA basketball entertaining. No, it is in fact the effort of all of the players on the floor who are so emotionally involved in the game that it feels like it's higher stakes than any NBA regular season game. And even to the casual fan, it's noticeable how much more heart these student athletes play with in March compared to the pros, even in the playoffs come May and June. It's funny because to me, as someone who really appreciates hustle, it feels odd to knock anybody for hustling too hard. But so often... That's what I see when I watch college basketball. I watch guys working too hard to make up for their loss of talent when talent just isn't enough. It honestly just reminds me of the Grizzlies because everything does and how we were one of the hottest teams that isn't in the playoffs anyway until Charlotte and Orlando came along and just had to do good and push for the playoffs. Damn Eastern Conference. But hey, at least they're getting paid. You know? Regardless of their effort, they're getting paid. A lot more than any NCAA student-athlete can say. Everyone's been really outraged at that commercial by the NCAA, uh, portraying the life of a student-athlete as something which is fun, happy, and glorious. Uh, When in reality... Uh, the, The busy schedule on display of the commercial is probably one of the most hyper-intense workloads that you could even get as a young person in that sort of a, that demographic, if you will. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't people that work harder on Earth or in America or whatever, but amongst young people, NCAA student-athletes are some of the most loaded, busy, hard-working people there are. 
and they don't make a dime. It's really a shame. The NCAA is a big, greedy organization, and this commercial essentially just flexed on that in the most subtle way because I believe the tagline has something to do with the word opportunity. I try not to remember big ads that piss me off. And it's like they're saying, hey, come generate us millions of dollars. You see all these ads happening right now in the March Madness mania, which I guess madness is a subset of mania, whatever. You see all these dollars getting produced? Well, we're not going to give you any of it, student-athlete, protagonist of this commercial. No matter how smiley and hardworking you seem to be, you will only be paid an opportunity, not dollars. Even though less than 1% of NCAA athletes go on to play professionally, and honestly, if they're playing at a super high level, I feel like there is a very high risk for student-athletes to prioritize the athlete part of the student-athlete tag. The, the student-athlete moniker is mostly a euphemism for unpaid professional athlete, if you ask me. So it's time for us to step up our game as a community and stop not holding the NCAA accountable. So here is this, a proposition. If you believe that players deserve to be paid then there are two ways to vote on this. One, we could democratically come up with regulations uh, that prevent this sort of labor theft by, um, by, by these giant uh, monopolies, really. Or we could go about it, the capitalist approach, and simply not contribute dollars or attention which is basically a, uh, a mechanism for generating dollars if you don't understand the nature of advertising. So either draft legislation if you really care about this shit. Maybe I will. Maybe we all should. Or we just stop paying attention to March Madness. Uh, it's a loser factory. Cinderella stories are ultra rare. Sure, maybe you care about your team, and maybe you'll, you'll watch your one specific team of the college that you went to or whatever, the college that you root for. That's honestly acceptable. You know, you have good reason for that. Motivation beyond just entertainment. But if you're flipping through the channels and you see an NCAA event happening, whether it be March Madness or the College Football National Championship or playoff or, or whatever, don't support the theft of wages from the stars of the show that is being put on to entertain you by being entertained by it. Once viewership declines, they do research, they being the NCAA and whoever else is concerned, they do research into why, and they figure out that's because there are active consumers out there, like me and you, who choose not to pay attention to things they disagree with or they deem fundamentally immoral. And I think it's immoral to pay student-athletes an opportunity. Because they work too hard to not be paid real money. I've met student-athletes from non-major programs who say, 
that while you don't formally get paid, you do get paid in a way beyond just opportunity. There's things like housing and meal plans, things like that, that get provided with the college experience most of the time. Maybe not most of the time, but, you know, in your typical imaginary college experience, you imagine a mess hall in a dorm, right? And, you know, maybe there'll even be a stipend for, for an NCAA player that gets paid under the table. A small one. A small one. I'm not saying those things don't exist. But what should exist is a regulated, bona fide system for paying the stars of the show. They don't deserve this. They work too hard. And I hope in the future that you can consider this. Next time that you think about flipping on March Madness, just to see what people are talking about. If I've done a poor job of convincing you to stop paying attention to March Madness, then let me put it this way. Zion. Zion alone is worth so much more than just exposure or opportunity. Because that's what's happening here. The NCAA pays athletes the same way that small media outlets pay wannabe up-and-coming journalists in exposure because they don't have any body of work yet. So they give them the opportunity to showcase themselves on a large stage, or at least a larger stage than what they think is accessible otherwise. This is why I think that there should be another league for this. I mean, just think about it. Who is sponsoring the rumored Zion cam? Where is the cut of the vanilla orange Coke and Pizone money for the players? I mean, it's absurd. These tournaments generate so much revenue for the NCAA. Just the tournaments alone, not to mention the rest of the regular season and every other sport. Just this tournament generates millions and millions of dollars. Zero percent of that goes directly towards the players. That's not fair. Who's sponsoring the Zion Gam? I don't know. But you know who's not getting paid off of it? Zion. They use his name, his likeness, his imagery. Uh, they demonstrate his skill set for their own gain, and Zion gets nothing. Without Zion, there's no money to be made. And yet, Zion doesn't get paid. Imagine if the G League would just let in 16-year-olds and then change the age limit of the NBA to just 18 or 17 and a half or some crap. You know, we let in high school superstars like Zion into a professional or semi-professional, however you want to phrase it, NBA developmental type of league where they can get paid. They can showcase their talents for sponsors. They can get sponsored. They can use their likeness to make money. I mean, Zion can't even sign an autograph and sell it. What if he tore both his ACLs? You know, what if what if Zion ruptures his Achilles? Now what? The NCAA doesn't protect their players. They've explicitly said that they don't care about protecting their players, even though that was his explicit purpose when the NCAA was created 113 years ago as of next week. I think there's a lot more potential in a semi-pro basketball league other than just replacing the NCAA as a middle ground between high school and the NBA. I think that it would do a really good job of showcasing super young talent, of perhaps even mixing genders uh, to where you have females and males and non-binary people even playing all amongst themselves within a self-contained league where there's 
no unnecessary separation. You know, people treat the G League like it's some grand experimental league where we talk about putting in the four-point line. Um, why not do a little bit of feminist experimentation and see if we can save the WNBA by simply merging it into the NBA or the G League. I feel like it's honestly offensive to say that the WNBA and the G League should be merged together. But it comes from a place of sincerity. So if you want to inform me on the more ethical, moral, feminist view, or you want to tell me that feminism is dumb and I'm, du- and I'm dumb for thinking it's a good idea, then hit me up on Twitter, at NBA underscore Rudy, uh, and we can talk about it. You can even join the Bucket Discord server by checking my pen tweet and scrolling all the way down. But that's the only way. That's the only way. I'm, I know I said in the original Bucket Discord server debut episode, if you're a longtime fan, you'll know this. Uh, I said I'm going to put the Bucket link in every description of every show and every video on the YouTube channel. Just everywhere I can, but just maybe talk about it barely and just leave the link there and see who's engaged enough to realize what's going on. But instead, what I'm going to do is I am going to talk about it, but I'm going to only put it in one location. I'm going to tell you where it is, and it's up to you to go and get it. It's an interesting way for me to do a little bit of testing on how engaged my listeners are. Because I love you guys. I really do. Uh, If you're listening to this show right now, then you really, truly support me and care about at least a little bit about my opinion. So I appreciate that more than anything else. Uh, So we're going to get into the highlight segment of the week. It is actually a tweet where we check in on the NCAA control room, quote-unquote control room, uh, during the final moments of the UCF and Duke game we have been discussing, where Zion gets the N1, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It's a bunch of guys in a room wearing suits, and the main man talking that you hear is mashing on some keys uh, I'll let you go ahead and just take a listen it is very hey, funny Duke's about to get eliminated I'm already, on, three. I'm already on it okay. don't call that give man one. Oh, good. there it is <laughs> alright listen we're not in the clear yet we cannot let Duke get eliminated now Taco's out yes. he fouled out but they still have one more play. They're probably going to give the ball to Taylor, and he's probably going to go do his signature move, a bank shot to the right, right? Mm-hmm. But right when he goes to do the bank shot, I'm going to move the rim. I'm going to make sure that they are not giving them out. But I'm going to do it right when so the fans do not notice. Okay. A perfect time, and I promise you. All right, so let's see who they give the ball to. All right, they gave the ball to Taylor. Okay. Taylor's coming up to the right. Okay. There he is. Yeah. I'm about to move the rim. No! There he is! Oh, 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 That's March Madness. Duke is not getting eliminated. That's March Madness right there for you. Good job. Yeah, that's March Madness. That's March Madness. All right. So without any further ado, let's get right into seven seconds or less. Segment starts right now. Jason Kidd is rumored to be a lead candidate for the Lakers' head coaching job in 2019-20. In my opinion, Kidd needs to be ousted from the NBA for being bad at coaching and bad at humaning. Jeremy Lamb lost control over the ball before hurling it from beyond half court for the win against the Raptors. Jeremy Lamb is the new Aaron Aflalo. Jimmer Fredette debuts with the Suns after three years of dominating China. Jimmer can be an excellent NBA player for sure in the right situation, and Phoenix might just be that situation. It's March, and Tom Izzo is making the rounds on Twitter for a clip of him yelling at a player while being physically restrained. Violence is bad, okay? 
Uh, Kyrie uses the media to call out his team for the millionth time, and the dude needs to get back with LeBron already or just go to New York. Lonzo and Big Baller Brand break up over $1.5 million missing, and uh, honestly, those shoes are probably hurting his ankles, man. Isaiah Thomas returned to Boston after changing teams three times, and he's the new D-Rose. Yeah, I might have gone over about half a second there, but look out this summer or uh, maybe sooner, maybe later. I'm not exactly sure yet, but I'm working on a long-term project around Isaiah Thomas uh, founded on this hot take that I had. It's really not that hot, I think, but I think some people think it's a hot take. Um, but the the idea is founded on the concept of Isaiah Thomas being the new Derrick Rose. Uh, he just needs a lifeline thrown out to him just the way that D-Rose was thrown a lifeline by Tom Thibodeau. I think the chances of him rejoining Boston this upcoming offseason are higher than most people would think. Like, you might think if there's, like, a 1% chance. I think there's, like, a 50% chance. I mean, it would it would be phenomenal. It'd be a hell of a story. Because the story so far is one of the best in basketball. And I will be telling it from front to back, beginning to end. A full Isaiah Thomas profile coming to you very soon from the Hustle Points NBA show and me, Rudy St. Clair. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy. Join the Bucket Discord server. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your shows. And when we get 100 iTunes reviews, I will read them all out loud on a show just for you. So thank you for listening. Have a beautiful day. And goodbye.